Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS. And that link will be in the show notes we start to wonder why we don't feel more excited about life and why it's not more fulfilling. Well, we've stopped giving ourselves permission to do and try things that we're not already good at. We feel like we just need to stay in our lane. Stress is the inflammation that robs us of life, energy, and happiness. Our typical solutions for gut health and hormone balance have let a lot of us down. We're over-medicated and underserved. At The Less Stressed Life, we're a community of health-savvy women exploring solutions outside of our traditional Western medicine toolbox and training to raise the bar and change our stories. Each week, our hope is that you leave our sessions inspired to learn, grow, and share these stories to raise the bar in your life and home. Access to functional or specialized medicine testing and standard blood work is a big piece of personalizing care plans to help our clients succeed. But getting accounts with multiple labs and ordering and tracking results from many different web portals slows efficiency by bogging us down in admin work. This is why I'm completely obsessed with our podcast sponsor, Rupa Health. It's a single portal that allows you to order from over 20 specialty labs in one incredibly simple dashboard. I'm talking less than 30 seconds to set up your free account and about 30 seconds to order the labs you need. All the results are in one place and I can securely send clients their results with a click of a button. A big advantage for our clients is that standard blood work can be ordered for almost two thirds less than other direct to consumer lab sites. Rupa is a lab concierge, so they send the lab invoices on your behalf if a client pays for their own labs. They help them get set up with a lab draw, navigate testing questions, and they provide the requisition forms. It's literally a dream. Go sign up for free to help streamline your practice and simplify ordering labs for your clients at rupahealth.com. That's R-U-P-A health.com and let them know I sent you when you sign up. You can also check out the show notes for this episode for a short video walkthrough of how I use Rupa Health in my own practice. Today on The Less Stressed Life, we have Emily Pereira, who's an international retreat leader, yoga teacher, and women's coach, coined by her clients as the relationship whisperer. After 13 years of intensive and extensive spiritual training and exploration, she's amassed a treasure trove of astonishing wisdom and powerful practices. She's used these to heal her own love story and transform her life. And over the years, she's had the honor of helping 
Hundreds of women ignite their intimate, heart-thumping, passionate, I got your back no matter what, love and build the family and lifestyle of their dreams. She traded her perfect life in LA for one in the middle of the jungle in Costa Rica. And through her exotic journey, she found the true light within herself and the true meaning of love. It took her periods of despair and utter confusion and soul searching to reach all these people worldwide. And welcome, Emily. Oh, thank you so much, Krista. So happy to be here. Yeah. I was just telling Emily off screen that she landed in my inbox, not her personally, but her agent landed in my inbox. And I have such an interest in retreats and all types of things. I thought I'd love to know this woman. And then we kind of got into the history and I think it there'll be so much power here. So let's just open this up because I think in general, I personally am intrigued by, oh, you're living in LA, having this like quote unquote perfect life. And then now you're in Costa Rica, raising a family and doing things that are outside of the norm. And that feels really like cool, but uncomfortable to people, which is why not everyone has jumped in and done something like that. Let's talk about how that all started. Cause I bet there's a bit of a journey and usually we don't make these dramatic shifts without quite a bit of a journey. So let's open this up with like, I know offline, we were talking about this perfect life in LA, which is probably a fast paced, stressful, busy life. Tell me about what was going on in your life in LA. I think we should start back in those days and what year are we starting with, et cetera. Okay, absolutely. We can start there. And it is a big journey. It has been a big journey to get here. In fact, I wrote a 412 page memoir about this journey called The Quest. And so I will try to condense the journey as much as I can for this podcast. But in my 20s, I was living in Los Angeles. And this is, you know, like mid 2000s. And by the time I got to my late 20s, life looked really good on paper. Right. And I still say paper because this is before like Instagram was a thing, but it was like number one in my company selling what Time magazine hailed as the cure for cancer. Check, you know, living in a penthouse on the beach in LA with my internet tycoon boyfriend who just sold his business for half a billion dollars. Check, endless stream of parties, events, and vacations, a closet full of designer clothes. Like I had all this stuff that I had been programmed to believe was going to make me feel good, was going to bring me happiness. And, you know, for whatever reason, despite all of these external things, I was escaping my so-called perfect life by partying almost every weekend until the sun came up. Exactly the sign of a truly fulfilled person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I got really real with myself, which back in those days really wasn't very often, I knew something big was off, that something big was missing, but I was receiving so much external validation for what I'd created that I didn't dare admit that it wasn't enough, even to me. So the whole thing came crashing down when my man of about six years, who I thought I was going to get married to, cheated on me. Mm -hmm. And so I shrunk down to 92 pounds. I couldn't sleep without pills. I had a weird rash all over my body. You know, all of our crew of friends that were like family, they quietly chose him. And I was just so full of anger and resentment for him, but it really paled in comparison to the anger and resentment that I was directing towards myself. Mm. So, you know, back in those days, I didn't understand that there's this divine intelligence to this wild human experience. And that when one door closes, it's because there's another one that's ready to open. You know, life is really about alignment, right? And so when something's no longer aligned, it breaks down. So that new thing can reach you that is better aligned. 
So, you know, like I said, I ended up writing this really, really long memoir about this journey. It's a big story and it's actually the first in three books in the series. But the very short version is that that breakdown became a very spectacular breakthrough. It sounds a bit rough for sure. Yeah. (laughs) It was really rough because in that limited scope of consciousness, I was deriving so much of my value from this man in this relationship. Mm -hmm. I didn't really even know who I was. So when I like lost him, I felt like I'd lost everything. Like I'd lost myself in a way. Yeah. Very codependent. Super codependent. And the world was very small, you know, back in those days, I don't know if you remember, you know, before we really had the internet, the way that we know it, you really only knew reality sort of based on the people that were in your immediate circle. Mm. So it wasn't like, oh, I can see these people living aspirational lives. Oh, there's other realities that I can step into. No, like life, it was so terrifying for me to let go of this world and this relationship because what was going to happen to me? What else was there for me? Mm -hmm. So I often think I'd have a much different trajectory had I been in my 20s, say now, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like the Mm -hmm. journey, what I have found is like the journey, the quest that we take. Well, it's like this. It's like we may have these goals, right? Maybe the goal is to be in a relationship, a loving relationship. Maybe it's to have a certain career, make a certain amount of money, or to have a certain kind of like feeling or health in your body. And so we kind of get this idea in our heads that like that goal is where it's at. We're like, oh, when I when I get there, I'm going to be so happy. I'm going to feel so good. But in my experience, I've really found that those goals are kind of like signposts. They're letting us know like, okay, this is where you're headed, but it's the journey that we take, the quest that we take along the way to get there, where all the good stuff really is, like all of the meaning and the fulfillment and the growth. And in that place where we expand, that's really where the light comes in that makes us feel so much better. This reminds me of something my coach was talking about recently, that our happiness can't be based on when I get to that, I'll be happy. Or when I have that, I'll be happy. Or when I reach that goal, I'll be happy. Because once you get there, there will life will still be 50-50. And so you will have something else that takes its place. There will be some other big quote unquote goal or thing or whatever. Even if you accomplish the thing that you think is going to create the happiness for you, you're still going to have some other new thing that pops up at that time. And I think if we all just like stop and think about that for a moment. It's probably true in every case for the most part. Like we can feel good about accomplishing something and and achieving something and whatnot, but we're still, if we rely on a thing for happiness, we're always going to come up short, which definitely speaks to your story with the codependence of the boyfriend. Like, and we think about this relationship where, like, when I have that boyfriend, you know, everything will be better. Well, that's not the truth because there will be like some other type thing there. So the happiness has to come from within. And so since you were mirroring so much, you, you said it beautifully. You had a lot of anger and resentment toward him, but it wasn't anything. It was very dwarfed compared to the anger and resentment you had toward yourself. And what do you think? Like, I know this was quite a journey and there's a lot more to it, but that's an insightful statement you can say now that you didn't have at that time. And I wonder how long it took to make that discovery and where you decide. I'm sure like you probably part of the story and we'll get to this is like, let me try this thing. So that way I'm ready for this. Next. I'd like to hear like what happened next, but also in, yeah. in retros, it's always hindsight is 2020. Like at what point do you realize like you're the one harboring this stuff? It's not someone else. Like it's whatever your beliefs are is, yeah. is what the truth is. 
I think sometimes, you know, right when we're in it, it's really hard to see the forest through the trees, so mm-hmm. to speak. And so, you know, kind of honoring all of the emotions that are real for you at any yeah. given moment, I think is a powerful thing to do. You know, emotions are super feminine and it's it's good to feel our emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I get afraid of the quote unquote bad emotions, right? Like the anger, or the jealousy or the resentment. And we only want to feel like the good ones, like happiness and generosity and kindness. But really I found that emotions are like sacred messengers. You know, they're, they're there for a reason, just like every part of the body. There's a reason every single part of the body is there. Same with our emotions. And so I think just like allowing ourselves to feel them. I think for so long, I was trying to sort of run from the painful emotions, but yeah, I mean that being sort of like on the ground in like pain and just abandonment and despair became the catalyst, like the springboard for me to say, like, I can't go on anymore like this. Like this isn't working for me and I'm the common denominator here. Mm. And so for the next two years, I really lifted myself up through a wild ride of intensive and extensive spiritual exploration. And really it started as an experiment. Am I a creative person? Because really at that point, I didn't identify as being a creative person. So after literally not writing anything except for emails and I don't know, maybe like the occasional thank you letter in 11 years, I sat down to write. And really by applying the mindset shifts that I've been learning about, I was amazed that the words flowed freely. And I had a couple sentences and then I had a couple paragraphs and then I had a couple chapters. And the next thing I know, okay, well, maybe it wasn't the next thing. It took three years, but sure enough, I had a 600 page book on my hands. Don't worry. It's been edited down now (laughs) to 412. But the writing, I have found writing to really be this master healer at our fingertips that we all have, and we don't even realize how valuable it is. Mm. And you know, I lead retreats here in Costa Rica and a, and a part of them, we do writing workshops every day. And many women come to me and they're like, oh, well, I'm not a writer. Can I still come on your retreat? And the thing is, is there was a time when I didn't think I was a writer too, but I really believe we're all writers because we're all storytellers, right? So we're just telling stories through our fingers, mm-hmm. regardless if you're picking up pen and paper or fingers to keyboard, you're still telling your friends and family stories all the time. That's mm-hmm. what being a writer is. So there was something about the writing that opened up all sorts of barricades inside me. And I began to play guitar and sing and write songs. I began to paint like big canvases full of color and dance burlesque and do improv. And like, I really did not think I was a creative person like until I was in my early thirties. So this was blowing my freaking mind that like all of this was inside of me. And simultaneously I was like, well, no wonder I was such a hot mess, Mm. (laughs) right? Because I was- Searching, 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 searching for like that something to be enough, that something to make me feel okay. When really it was this disconnection from the creative self that was making me feel so lacking, really, Mm -hmm. because the creative self is the essential self, it is the spiritual self. Mm -hmm. And so, for as awesome as that was to discover that there was this wellspring of creative passion inside of me, it triggered a cascade of spiritual changes that I was not expecting. And so the first thing I recognized was less were my thoughts about like, oh, what I don't have, what other people have, how I need to be doing more. And they just became more like, that would be a cool way to connect those chapters. Or, oh, I think I'm hearing like a melody in my head that I want to turn into a song. Or, oh, I want to get that color to put on a painting. And my thoughts, like my just my resting everyday thoughts became more inspired thoughts. 
And it feels so much better. My gosh, it's like, it's like, you know, your nervous system is just getting this like really beautiful, just soothing, like blanket over it. And so that was the first thing I noticed. And then I noticed that as I kept giving myself, so one of the big insights that I learned along my path, maybe you've heard of this before, is this concept of the beginner's mind that the beginner's mind, nobody wants to be the beginner, right? We're in this culture that like really celebrates the expert. And so everyone's like running to be the expert, but it's the beginner that actually has the most freedom. The beginner is the child, right? We look at the child who's meeting the world with wide-eyed wonder and they're beginners in everything that they do. And they're not afraid to go and try things that they've never done before. Well, as adults, we sort of like along the life path journey, we kind of realize what we're good at. We get validation for those things that we're good at. And then when we become adults, we're sort of like, well, I know what I'm good at. I should just keep doing this. We sort of stay in our lane and we start to wonder why we don't feel more excited about life and why it's not more fulfilling. Well, we've stopped giving ourselves permission to do and try things that we're not already good at. We feel like we just need to stay in our lane. And really, you may have heard that quote, you know, it circles around the internet. The magic happens at the edge of the comfort zone, Mm -hmm. right? But we get terrified of going outside of our comfort zone. When in reality, you know, I tell my clients that I work with, they're like, oh, well, that's outside of my comfort zone. I'm like, well, how does it feel inside the comfort zone? Does that feel good? (laughs) Because (laughs) inside the comfort zone is stagnation, right? Like we sometimes lose sight of the fact that we are part of nature. And nature's objective is to grow. And so is ours. And so when we stop giving ourselves permission to do and try things that we've never done before, we really start to get stagnated. And so really what stops us creatively is our own judgments, you know, that we're, oh, I'm not going to be good at this. I even thought like, if I'm not good at it, I'm like not allowed to do it. I had that story playing on repeat in my head. And so I learned that, you know, we can just give ourselves permission to be the beginner. Any step you take as the beginner is success because you're in the game, you're participating, and that is full of gifts. And so with that mindset, okay, I don't need to be like a Pulitzer Prize winning author. I just am going to give myself permission to write. That's how the words started to flow freely. Mm -hmm. So... As I continued to give myself permission to do and try things outside of my comfort zone, my belief in myself went up. And as my belief in myself went up, my competition with women went down. And this is one of the most beautiful and liberating feelings of my entire life. Suddenly I was like, the camaraderie. Oh my gosh, I want to be part of the sisterhood. And especially with women that were like going to the edge of their comfort zone and really you know, expressing themselves creatively. And at the same time, I had a very real compassion for women who were still kind of stuck in that prison of perfection, which I'd been in for 99.9% of my life. And I knew that my work was going to be around helping women, helping women connect with that creative fire, with that spiritual self inside. I just have to wonder now that you've said that, I just realized, oh, Emily's going through this whole change on the inside and on the outside, but we left off where you, your boyfriend cheated on you. You had this perfect job. Did you continue working at this perfect job while you were doing this internal self-exploration? Did those things exist side by side for a while? They did. They existed side by side for almost 10 years. Mm. That's good to hear because I think sometimes you mentioned nervous system. I talked so much about ner- the nervous system. And I think in general with health, if we don't address our nervous system, which is our most lifelong thing that we can do, 
that is either the fuel that will catapult us forward or kind of keep us feeling stuck and have new things popping up all the time. Like the physical manifestation of what goes on in our health is very much tied to our nervous system. But at the same time, people usually hear, oh, well, I've got to quit my job and move to Costa Rica in order to have that. And that's not, you just said, no, for a decade, like your move to Costa Rica was a little bit uh, serendipitous because you met your husband. Right. And so it wasn't just that you were escaping your life. Um, no, to go to Costa Rica. Later. Yeah, yeah, no, okay. the Costa Rica came later. So yeah. So just to continue sort of on the cascade of changes that happened just from really tapping into the creative self. Mm-hmm. And I'll just two more things is that, you know, I still was lugging around some resentment for the ex-boyfriend and the ex-friends, but in those moments of inspiration where I felt so connected to who I am and why I'm here, I felt truly euphoric. And it was really fascinating to observe those resentments alchemized to gratitude because I was like, oh, I had to take those steps. I had to take those steps so I could get to this place where I am now, where there's no place I'd rather be. And it was just like this incredible healing. And so it's sort of just, that was the moment where I really could get perspective. You asked, you know, a few minutes ago, like, at what point did you realize that was your resentment and your blame and not just about him? And it took until I could kind of pan out away from it. And the resentment started to lift that I was like, oh, I've been carrying that. And I don't even need that anymore. In fact, I'm grateful for what happened. So that was a pretty radical feeling because I had, I was, had a lot of resentment. Yeah. And then I just, it got to that point where here I was, I had this high flying life where I was running all around the planet, had all these so-called luxuries of life. And it honestly never felt like it was enough. And here I was in a far more modest circumstance with my creative self, just like feeling like life was overflowing with abundance. And so, you know, that was sort of like the first phase of the journey and many other amazing and beautiful things happened. If you're interested in knowing more, it's all in my book, The Quest. But fast forward from that point to my late thirties. So about 10 years from the point I started my quest and I was started my coaching business on the side. I was leading my retreats on my vacations and I was on retreat one. It was the last day sitting on my surfboard, beautiful sunset, just exploding above me here in Costa Rica. And I just sort of did this really cheesy thing. It sounds like it belongs in a rom-com, but I kind of whispered to the wind and I was like, I never had happier than I am when I'm in Costa Rica. And I was like, I don't know how, and I don't know when, but I'm going to live here someday. And then I caught a wave, forgot about that cheesy moment. And three months later, it was right before my 38th birthday. And I just got this really clear message from my intuition. It was like, go to Santa Teresa, go now, go by yourself. And logically it didn't make any sense. You know, I had just gotten back from Costa Rica a couple months earlier and, you know, just logistically, I couldn't really, there weren't many places to stay in town that weren't like crazy expensive, but my intuition just kept telling me like, no, you're supposed to go there. And I hadn't been to this little dusty surf village in 16 years at that point, but I came back and it was a beautiful, like whirlwind of a trip. And on that trip, I was on my way to go surfing at sunset one night and I crossed paths with this charming French surfer who we ended up going surfing together and a sunset surf turned into a dinner date, which turned into sort of this like beautiful romance. Uh, We ended up taking a trip all the way, all around the country together surfing. And then he dropped me off at the airport and he invited me to come back and do life with him in the jungle. And, you know, he's French. And so his like broken Franglish, he was like, darling, I know from when I work in the restaurant, 
the man, the man, he know exactly what he wanted. Say, I have the chocolate cake. Is the woman say, I have the chocolate cake too. No, no, I want the ice cream. Then as you're walking away, she say, I want the pineapple thing. So you go home. No, so I know the woman, she changed her mind. So you mm. go home, you think about it. You come back, we make a baby. <sighs> well, <laughs> I went back to my beautiful bungalow in Venice Beach. I didn't know if I could like really take him seriously in that moment, but I went back to my place and I had this beautiful place, you know, full of art and beautiful decor and all the things I'd been collecting over 15 years of city life. And all of a sudden, just sort of my stuff that I once loved and found so beautiful, it just kind of felt like kind of heavy. And I just sort of longed for like the lightness and the adventure of life in the jungle. And I didn't know for sure if this guy that I'd known for two weeks was my soulmate, but I was sure that I wanted an adventure. And so I called him up and I was like, hey, am I still invited to come live with you in the jungle? And he was like, of course, darling, we're all waiting for you. And that was six years ago. It would have been hard to take him slightly serious, right? You know, it's <laughs> like, it sounds very romantic. And then your logical mind steps in and it's like, this could be dangerous. <laughs> And I'm I'm wondering how long you got back to California and how long before you sold all your things and moved to Costa Rica? It took me about six months to wrap everything up. And at that time, you know, we met in Mexico, we met in France. I got to go meet his family. We went on a surf trip through the south of France. You validated things for a while before you moved to Costa Rica. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting though, because my friends were like, what the hell? They're like, how do you know you can trust him? And this really even surprised me. What just came out of me was like, I don't have to worry about trusting him because I trust myself. And what I mean by that is along the quest, I really have come to understand that things don't happen to me. They happen for me. And he's either going to be the love of my life or a much needed lesson, a much needed gift along my path. And so I really didn't have a whole lot of nerves or fear. I just was like, all right, like intuition is taking me there. If it's not him, there's some other reason that I'm supposed to be in Costa Rica and he's will be this beautiful catalyst. But it turned out that we have incredible synergy and we have now two beautiful children. We built an incredible retreat and wellness center here in Costa Rica called Sunrise Mountain. We lead retreats together. Yeah, it's actually just been incredible. So so I want to just underline the importance of you saying it doesn't matter because I trust myself. Because when you were talking about being cheated on and being codependent and kind of breaking down, I think in general, we can all like hear someone's story and say, is there any part of that that identifies with me? And you reminded me of something that I realized or kind of projected or whatever that I had a a relationship that I was in once and I was cheated on at that time. And from that experience, I really had very little desire to be in a relationship with other people, or I had trust issues. And that wasn't even obvious. Like I thought I was very nonchalant about it, but like you accidentally project those trust issues where you realize like, oh, I'm going to be extra careful next time to not end up in that particular situation. And so for you to say, I don't have to trust him because I trust myself is a very mature growth phase thought, right? Like you didn't just land there by any means. I'm sure that you went through a lot of <laughs> issues about trusting before that overall. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's been quite a journey and I didn't touch on this too much, but there was another man in between these two men that I actually married. And then he actually ghosted me in our marriage. So it was a big, like I had, I not had 
the mindset and the ethos of the quest that I share in the quest, I would have been, I'd be in like a padded room somewhere. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but I feel that's why I'm so passionate about life on the quest because it's so regenerative, it turns life into this like personal development, like choose your own adventure, personal development video game, where you just keep like getting these gifts, even like the most challenging, difficult situation. There's always a gift. I believe there's a gift in every situation created by divine intelligence or God or whatever you want to call it just for you. And when you get that gift, it's like, and I say gift in quotes, and you get the learning from that, it's like you jettison to the next level of your video game and you don't have to get that gift again. Like you got what you came for, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So what that does is that allows us to vibrate in a place of gratitude, right? If someone gives you a gift, you're grateful rather than a place of victim nature. Oh, poor me, bad things happened to me because everything is energy and like attracts like. So if we stay in that place of the victim, guess what? We get to attract more stuff that makes us feel victimy to us. But if we're in that place of like, oh no, like you're fielding the curveballs of your life with amusement and curiosity rather than doom and gloom, then your life just keeps opening up for you in the most beautiful and unexpected ways. So this has been a good journey and we could even wrap it up there, but I want to talk about something we talked about off air and I want to know where this fits into the overall situation, because I feel like it's something I've been talking to women about in intro calls lately about freezing eggs. And you mentioned this mass egg freezing. So tell me about, because that's also like a real thing, right? Where we're fearful of what's to come next. So tell us about that piece of the story and why you froze your eggs, how it went and the, and the piece of where that fits in. Yeah. So um, that fits in right after the divorce, right after the ghosting of epic proportions. And my mom very generously offered for me to freeze my eggs. Now that's probably not something I would have thought of doing, but she encouraged me to do it. And at first I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to like mess with my body. But then I was sort of like, wow, that sounds pretty liberating to just really take my time to find my next partner and not, you know, I think any woman can relate with this that's in her mid to late thirties is sort of like that energy of showing up on a date sort of with this, like, I'm looking for my husband energy. (laughs) That's not very attractive. And so I was like, oh, I'm not going to have to have that energy if I freeze my eggs. You know, I can really just take my time and enjoy the ride. And so I froze my eggs and the whole thing went really smoothly and they got like 30 eggs or something. And which the doctor told me was a lot at the time. And I remember floating out of that procedure, just thinking like, this is the greatest step for womankind ever. And then a week later, I started getting so sick and I felt like I was being stabbed in the vagina with a fireplace poker 24-7 for a year like a full year. And I, you know, of course went back to the doctor. They did like every test imaginable. I was convinced I'd contracted some STD or something. And they were like, you have a yeast infection. And I was like, okay, well, this is not like any yeast infection I've ever had before. Well, it turned out, you know, because of the cocktail of hormones that I was given, it just really sent my body way out of whack and mm-hmm. it was like acute, but also chronic candida. Mm-hmm. So that sent me actually on a wild quest to heal my body. And I mean, I turned over like every stone imaginable, spent probably 
close to $50,000. All the different, you know, traditional medicine, functional medicine, Chinese medicine. I was, you know, taking oxygen out of my body, putting it through, I mean, taking blood out of my body, putting it through an oxygen chamber, putting it back in plant medicine, you name it. I was trying it. And I did get a little bit better from that, but it wasn't like completely better. And I did like the full candida, no sugar, all that whole thing. And, um, I, met my now husband and we ended up getting pregnant very easily. I had both my children. I got pregnant on the first try with both my children, 39 and 42. And so I really didn't need to freeze the eggs. And I ended up going on a wild healing journey. And even in that time, I was so sick and so depressed. I was starting to doubt my own ethos that there's a gift in every single situation. But then in my lowest moment, like I had this like, you know, kind of wild leap of my intuition that led me to this sort of radical protocol. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called detox for cellular regeneration. And it was actually originally created by a PhD from Germany in the twenties, but it, you know, kind of has been largely suppressed. And then there's a doctor now who teaches it. And his name is Dr. Robert Morris, and he's out of Florida. And he also trains detox specialists, so you can work with different people. But I ended up going to his clinic virtually, and they did an iridology reading on my eye. And I found out there was so much more going on in my body than just this like candida thing. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of me being able to really get better. And so I ended up really healing my body by eating fruit of all things, the thing I'd been avoiding, because everyone says don't eat fruit on candida when you have candida. But I ate fruit for six months, just fruit. And which is easy to do in the Costa Rican jungle and, you know, saunas and colonics and enemas. And I really reset my body. And that was the thing that it was, it was a really, really hard time in my life. I lost 20 pounds and I'm not someone who has 20 pounds to lose, but I looked terrible for about a year, but I felt, I immediately was feeling better. So I was like, I have to just trust. I have to just trust this feeling that I'm feeling inside and I have to let go of vanity. And eventually I did heal. And now I'm, I'm back to, you know, my original weight. And I'm so grateful. Here's the gift because the way that I eat and treat my body now at 44, I've got more energy than I did when I was in my twenties. When you were going through that, had you met your now husband or was that before you met him? Because it sounds like you had been to Costa Rica many, many times before you met him is what it sounds like. It sounds like it was your favorite. You was your vacation of choice. I had only been to Costa Rica actually twice before I met him. Once when I graduated college, I backpacked through Costa Rica for five months and I actually fell in love with this town I live in now. It didn't make any sense at the time. It was like a dirt road and 300 people in the whole town, but I just felt a really deep resonance. And then I didn't come back for 16 years. And then I started, then I led a retreat. I was leading retreats in Mexico. And then I was like, I really want to go back to Costa Rica and lead a retreat in Costa Rica. And so I led one here. And that's when I had that kind of epiphany moment where I was like, I'm never happier than when I am here. And then on my third visit back, I met him. And I was probably about almost two years into the healing journey of when when I met my husband. Well, I feel like we could talk about this for a while because we talked about the story and we could talk about all the things to help women. But I think through the story is where people see themselves. If you could leave people with like a gut reaction of like, what is a takeaway for them today where they can apply today without going to the jungle of Costa Rica, if they don't feel like that's in their cards in the near future, right? (laughs) What would you say to that woman? Well, I would say if you just want to get away for, you know, like 
kind of get some inspiration, a little spark back to your life after this wild couple years we've had. I do lead retreats here in Costa Rica. And so you don't need to move to Costa Rica to come have an amazing experience in Costa Rica. But I would say really like there's this quote, it says life shrinks or or expands in proportion to one's courage. And I would amend that just slightly to say life shrinks or expands in proportion to your permission that you give yourself. So permission creates, it's like the first domino that you like knock down. And it's like permission really gives you access to your dormant passions. We all have passions. You come in this lifetime with passions and passions are no accident. They are the compass that is going to lead you to your purpose. And, you know, there is just nothing like living like a life of passion and purpose, not for you. And also like it just, when you're lit up from the inside, Inside out, you become a magnet for other people because it's impossible to not be drawn to that light. Emily, where can people find you online? My website is emilyperera.com and I'm on Instagram at Emily underscore begins. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your journey. Thank you, Krista. Sharing and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help us succeed with our mission to help integrate the best of East and West and empower you to raise the bar on your health story. Just go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. That's reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. And you'll be taken directly to a page where you can insert your review and hit post.